0: what's up everybody it's john bush from armored saints sitting here in tulsa oklahoma
1: you are on the road to rock
0: hi everyone this is eric martin the lead singer for the band mr big and you are on the road to rock with clint Schweitzer.
1: thank you so
0: much man i i love talking about the things that i love clint and for you to allow me to do it with you god bless you god bless the heart heartland god bless america
1: You are now on the road to rock. It's not just a podcast. It's an unabashed celebration of rock's living legends. And now, please welcome your host, the master of your rock and roll road trip, leading you down the highway to hell, Clint Switzer.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, it is a a real pleasure to have you here on the road to rock. I guess it's summertime, Memorial Weekend's upon us, so the road to rock, Mr. Tristan Tritt, begins now. How do you feel about that? <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm excited. I it, it is full swing in tour season right now and I couldn't be more excited to be back on the stage and you know in front of all these beautiful faces again.
0: Oh, absolutely. You're going to laugh because you see you see a lot of the bands uh behind me here that are have you know a lot of the members have been on this show before, but you'll be shocked to know my first summer concert uh, which is next weekend and who it is. It's uh you might know Emma's name's Travis Tritt.
1: Oh, I I I've heard a couple things um, about um
0: Yeah, here at uh Branson, Missouri, literally uh
1: Travis Tritt. Uh uh
0: yeah. June June 3rd coming up. So that's my first summer concert coming up.
1: How that's about a, it? <laughs> I, hey, that's that's a good way to start the summer.
0: There is something about uh about Travis Tritt, your your dad of course, that uh it's just synonymous with like it has to be like outdoors, summertime and all the um Coors Light, Yinling, you can get your hands on. Let's say.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Any any cold beer or any kind of refreshment at that kind of. I'm, I mean, I worked for him for about two years, and those summer tours were just a different breed. And I got to give him credit for being. You know, I joke around with him, him being the old man, but for being sixty years old, he is still just absolutely taking names and and has not lost a lick of the energy he's had, you know, his entire career. The guy he he puts on a show.
0: You're so right Tristan, you know, I'm a rocker. I go back with so many of these these bands here, but I have such a respect for that genre as well. Obviously, you've taken the path of more uh of and into the rock side. Your influences really stem from probably a lot of the bands you see behind me right now. Like what what were you listening to growing up other than the obvious? What kind of shows were you going to growing up? Is there something that jumped out at you like, man, I saw this band and like I knew that the rock thing was more for me?
1: Uh well I tell the story a lot and it's it's probably a lot more relevant now just with like my generation kind of being the ones that are like the up and comers and everything so it's kind of something that for a long time if you said it to people they'd be like what are you talking about but uh Guitar Hero was a major change in 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 listening for me like I I remember the first song I played on the on the video game was War Pigs funny enough and it was so monumentally different from what I grew up around because my dad he was very him and my mother both have very uh very opposite tastes in music but my mom's much more of like you know Michael Jackson R&B you know yeah 80s type hip-hop and my dad's a lot more of the um of uh, obviously like country and, and bluegrass, but surprisingly he's a massive Fleetwood Mac fan, massive uh, Boston, the Eagles, the cars, but it was a lot more of that almost like new wavy and classic rock mm-hmm. sound that I, I grew up with. Then I found Black Sabbath through Guitar Hero, and I was like, what is this? Like the the dark tones and, you know, the insane guitar solos, the vocals of Ozzy. I mean, are you kidding? It was such a different... Taste for me that I just immediately I was all in. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I have to find out everything I can about it. And it's funny enough, like still in my room to this day, like I've got a, pi- a picture of like Lemmy Kilmister from Motorhead and all that stuff behind me because those those especially like the '70s rock sound for me, the darker metal from especially like the British Invasion that was so. Mm-hmm unique for me because I didn't grow up around it, you know? So having that influence of Black Sabbath, Motorhead, uh, the Sex Pistols, Iron Maiden, a lot of the cats on, you know, on on your backdrop right there, those sure. were so massive for me and, and, and my taste that still uphold to this day of really having that, you know, no holds barred kind of unfilteredness to it. And I love it.
0: Well, you talked about Guitar Hero, and I knew they were probably onto something when South Park did an episode about it. Oh, I don't know if yeah. you've ever seen that one, but that's oh, one of the
1: best episodes they ever made.
0: <laughs> and yeah. So like, I remember that and like, that's how people were discovering like Cheap Trick. I think, uh, maybe Surrender was on there. And mm-hmm. so I try to think of some of their songs cause they did, they wound up doing like specific ones for Metallica and ACDC. And mm-hmm. so, but yes, I could see where that was. And here's the thing. Talk about being a Sabbath fan. I am a weirdo and I am a more of a Dio era Sabbath fan. I knew they were that getting the Dio. <laughs>
1: hey, it, it's it's all about preference because I know a lot of people surprisingly like with Motley Crue they really like the John Karabi years, and it's like man, it's that's album. it's it's a great album, but it's like yeah, it's it's all preference, I guess.
0: It is I and just you know as a vocalist Ronnie James Dio. I mean Rainbow, you like some of the darker stuff. Rainbow was uh, kind of at the forefront of that in the late seventies when nobody was really doing that. And like Richie Blackmore and Ronnie James Dio, they really did that. And I mean, shoot, I was in LA like a week after Lemmy died and like before the statue was up at the rainbow and like, they just had these like flowers outside. It was surreal as like a, just like you, a huge Motorhead fan got to see them a couple of times. Did you ever see Motorhead live?
1: I never did. And I I was disappointed and it, a part of me, I guess now that there's no going back on it, I guess a part of me is kind of happy I didn't just because like especially towards the later months of of uh Lemmy's health kind of deteriorating. I'm glad that I have this image in my head still of like, you know, the strong, you know, front man who really like led the way for heavy metal. Um, but it's one of those things, like I I I I wish I did, but it's it, you know the fact that he was able to have the career as long as he did, you know, just being able to look back, especially with YouTube, thank God for YouTube. Right. uh, Just to look back on, on videos of them all the way back when he was with Hawkwind. That's so cool to me, you know?
0: Yes. And I think that is for another generation that music, we always say, oh, this music lives on, man. But truly it does, especially through ways that younger kids are able to consume it. And it absolutely does. And we're thankful for that as, So many bands and heroes of mine and ours, you know, are into retirement. We talked about Ozzy. He's not in the best of of health and, you know, not sure if he can tour again and stuff like that. So we're lucky that there are still bands out there and that the music lives on. But for you, I got to talk about the latest single that you put out, Nervous System Overload. There's a lot going on here, and this is a very, very well-crafted, there's a lot of layers to this song, and it kind of tackles kind of a um a deep issue which is sort of mental health and just anxiety in general i mean is this something that you've like dealt with or is just as your journey's gone on that you you're getting to that mix and you get into that grind and and just kind of feeling it from that
1: I'm sorry it cut off just a little oh. bit if you don't mind repeating.
0: Well it's 2023 Tristan we should not have in- internet interruptions. What's going I on know. here? I
1: know
0: uh, I was just talking about the uh, the single which is a uh, nervous system overload and just like what you were kind of feeling with that song is that's because there's a lot of, you know, kind of alluding to uh, anxiety, mental health, you know, going on there. Is that something that like, as you get into the grind of the music business, that that's like, you're kind of working off of that. Like where does the song come from kind of lyrically?
1: It, it really does stem from a lot of just the, the, overwhelming amount of information that people are processing nowadays Mm -hmm. just on a daily basis and how much is of that is reflecting on people's mental health and their ability to like i guess deal with everything that's going on because it seems like now now more than ever people are more high strung ironically enough just because they have so much information constantly being fed to them you know it you know just mainstream media or not and we i i wrote the song with two great writers uh Kelly Page and Stephen Wilson and that kind of came up in a conversation of just like yeah it's like everything nowadays is a nervous system overload or something along those lines And as soon as she said the the line I was like that's it I don't know what we're going to base it off of but that has to be like at least the foundation of it because it just had such a cool sound to it but yeah it, it really is kind of an ode to everything that's been going on for the last you know 10, 12 years, we've really been immersed in this whole social media world, and how different it's changed, like our thought process, and and especially nowadays. I mean, it's it's not too much of a taboo subject now, just to discuss the amount of people who are on um like medications for it, and mm-hmm. and just the amount of people on SSRIs or um you know I you know one of the first lines is cut my teeth on Ritalin. Yeah, I've been prescribed it uh, personally, but like I know tons of people that from the time they were you know. Three four years old, they were on that stuff.
0: Heavy. That's a heavy topic, and it and it makes you wonder too. The song kind of alludes to like, did d- if we created this? Has social media and the world around us and the technology sort of created this world that we that we are? I mean, I, I didn't grow up with social media. I was like in high school. Uh, you know, I'm 39, so <laughs> dating myself here, Tristan, but. No, no, 2003, 2004, as I'm getting out of high school and stuff, that's when you really started seeing it. But like kids today are growing up with it. You're younger than me. You probably grew up with it with a a camera phone. I mean, and, and so it creates a lot of situations where, hey, I've got to be this. I've got to have this many followers. I have to, and, and it's, that's where a lot of that anxiety Absolutely. probably comes from for kids.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, nowadays more than ever, like I'm not knocking it just because at the same time, it's like a double-edged sword. It you is. Know? you have an ability now to expose yourself through means that you never did beforehand. Yeah. And I think for the right people, it's, it's a fantastic tool because I mean, there's countless amounts of people that have, they really would have never been known by people had they not had that, that, that gate to get and expose their talent or their craft or whatever, you know, niche thing is, sure. there is, nowadays. but at the same time, like you have, it's exactly what you just said. You have so many people comparing themselves to these unrealistic I guess this unrealistic criteria for what they believe happiness is or what success is. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things, like like the older you get, I'm only 23, I'll be 24 next month, but like, I'm learning as much as I can, you know, with the time I have, but finding what works for me and finding out what truly makes me happy as opposed to like, you know, some influencer saying, Hey, well, you know, doing this and that and doing this, you know, that's going to, that's going to give you fulfillment. You just have to kind of find out what works for you and what's really worked for me is, you know, the basic fundamentals for happiness in my eyes, which is, you know, friends, family, having those things in life that you can really separate yourself from and um, separate yourself from like the mundane daily life, you know, whether it is, you know, hobbies outside or music or anything, music has been probably the greatest, you know, gift in my life of just having something really bring me back and, and almost, I guess, ground myself again with what's important in this world right now and what they say is important. And it's like every time I just listen to a good song or a good track or anything like that, even if it's for three minutes, you know, it brings me back and reminds me. It's like, OK, this is what it's all about. It has nothing to do with followers. It has nothing to do with all the stuff that everyone assumes is so important. Mm-hmm. It's the reality of, of everything, you know, we're we're here for such a short time. These numbers aren't really going to accumulate to anything other than, you know, I guess vanity. It's going to boost that up. Right. But as we know, that's all. It's a temporary game.
0: Well for you you're obviously comfortable you know tackling multiple subjects and just the, your musical spectrum is wide we've mm-hmm. seen videos for you like right on time that's yeah. just more of the feel good summertime drive down the road you know kind of a kind of an in your face so like as you're evolving and you're taking this music to new levels i mean are you just constantly looking for inspiration and, and kind of what In a perfect world, is going to be on par for you here the rest of 2023. Are you like a a full blown album? Like, what's what's the rest of the year looking like?
1: Uh, Funny enough, so I'm I've been on tour for the last like three weeks with uh, a great band from South Carolina called Seven Year Witch, and they are just phenomenal guys. But uh, we finish up this week. I'll be in Knoxville tomorrow at the Open Board Masquerade on Friday, and then uh, we're gonna finish out in Huntsville, Alabama, at a place called Shag Nasties. but greatest
0: venue name ever.
1: I know, I know, I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be shooting uh, or driving straight up to um, Nashville for a couple days and riding up there and hopefully recording uh, the majority of the month of June and just getting getting as much as I can. But I think subject matter-wise and just sound, I'm getting a lot more confident in it. I've only been putting out music for about two years now. Right. And every single time I go into the studio, I just feel like I'm, I'm knocking down more walls and finding more of my sound and what feels comfortable to me me because especially being being so affiliated with Nashville and all my friends that are out there most of them are country artists fantastic writers but I found myself in the beginning almost trying to assimilate to that kind of sound just out of just by proxy and just by the people I was in you know having discussions with or writing with and there's nothing wrong with that but I remember very distinctly coming out after writing nervous system and just feeling for the first time like this is that that felt right if that makes sense
0: interesting yes
1: it does it's not to say that any of the other songs didn't necessarily feel right but this just felt more like I wasn't trying to put on any front and this was very much my kind of way of doing exactly what every artist I've ever looked up says and it's like being as real as you can and fighting that urge to kind of assimilate and be like everyone else
0: are you uh so are you based out of Georgia these days?
1: I am based out of Georgia. I've been based awesome. out here and it's it's good for me right here, uh just because it's three hours when I gotta go to Nashville and I love I love the city. Um, but also I'm a country boy at, at heart. I I do a lot better in, in more rural environments. So having that ability to go back and forth, that's that's a game changer. What, for
0: me. What's uh where are you from out there?
1: I'm in a place called Hiram, Georgia, which is a little hole in the wall town, but we're probably uh, I think like 30, 30, minutes Northwest of Atlanta.
0: Okay. I, my grandma lived in Jasper for quite a while, oh, yeah. you know where oh, that yeah. is? Jasper and like Canton and some of those towns up there. And that, which is, yeah. I, so I love that part of Georgia. I think it's, uh, I don't know, like, you know, relating it to college football, I'm in Missouri, we joined the sec. So now I feel oh, yeah. a little more, I feel a little more at home with my like Alabama and, and, uh, of oh, yeah. people and I'm like, and you, you're, I don't know if you're a Bulldogs fan, but you're talking about two straight national titles over there in Athens.
1: I'm i am funny enough. My dad, he bleeds Georgia red. I'm a Florida Gator. I'm what? still, SEC, I'm still SEC, but uh, that helps.
0: But how did that happen?
1: So my mother's side is all from Florida, central Florida. And that's where I spent a lot of time, like growing up summers out there and all that stuff. And I wow. really, I always say that Florida raised me just, just those, those fundamental years when you're a kid doing stupid things constantly, that was <laughs> That was kind of my stomping grounds. Uh, so yeah, I've always just had a connection with the with the Gators and and the great city of Gainesville. So Gainesville
0: how... is awesome. It is so uniquely Florida. It's not what people think that you think of Gainesville and you're just like, oh yeah, like the beach. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is like inland. This is mm-hmm. different than like South Georgia. It's right in the middle of the state. And uh, I mean, God, oh man, I, I've spent, a lot, I've done an SEC football documentary, so I've spent time in all the places. So. We could go on and on about Gainesville. I got yeah. some stories from down there. It's
1: Tom, Tom Petty and football. That's all you got to know. Tom Petty um, and gr- gr- I don't know.
0: I don't know if you're married or not, but just girls in jean shorts, jorts, if you will. It's everywhere.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a surplus.
0: I mean, I'm too, you know I'm 30. Not back in the day, like yeah. It's I don't. Anyway, the SEC football. <laughs> I'm feel a part of it now. I'm a Missouri Tiger and we've actually, we don't beat Georgia often. We beat Florida here and there. So
1: yeah, uh, I know it's (laughs) it's been heartbreaking days for me, but for y'all just joining SEC not too long ago, that's, that's, that's a big win.
0: And Steve Spurrier actually once told me personally in an interview, that's going to stop. So I guess if it comes from the old ball coach, I guess that's a real thing. So that's crazy. So it seems to me like, you know, you, you kind of gone the opposite way. Your dad's a, just over the moon, famous country singer. You're kind of more of a rocker. He's a Georgia fan. You're a Florida fan. Is there just some rebelliousness about your relationship or is it just like, cause obviously you could have went down a certain path. Your brother is a country artist as well. Right. So you could have went down a path. Your, your dad obviously is there and I'm sure has done great wonders for you and, and helped. But like, you know, he, you have obviously had to do this on your own. That's my point here. That's
1: yeah, they, they were – both of my parents were extremely um, encouraging, but it's always funny when, when people have, like, the assumption that, that things were just given to me. You're right, they, clearly not, not. A pompous kid or anything, but, like, they were very much supportive in the initial, like, hey, I think I, this is, like, a career path I'd want to go down, but it was very much, like, you're going to figure it out. So I had I had stage fright. Um, yeah, yeah. I had stage fright in 2020, and I, when the, when it was like, you know, the world shut down, I was like, I got to do something to occupy myself. And my sister actually told me, she's like, you know, you've done everything in the industry except the most fun part. I was like, well, yeah, but I've got like this small little problem where like I have a hard time like performing in front of people, especially strangers. So during that downtime, luckily I was in Georgia, and the shutdown wasn't completely, you know, everywhere. Like certain bars were open, and I just started doing uh, open mics every night as much as I could. I do, you know – one to two a night and just eventually got over that, found a guitar player, um, found a drummer, eventually got a bass player built from there and just started doing shows. I was my own booking agent. I was my own sound guy. I did, I mean, everything. I had my savings from the time I was out of, I never went to college. I just worked for, you know, two or three years, had some savings, bought some speakers, got a mixer, plugged in the guitar and just kind of hope for the best. And over time you just, you find out, how to get more comfortable with it, how to get, you know, more authentic and, and just be you. Cause I mean, we started doing just covers out the yin yang and uh, that's always fun, but uh, just getting that original content was so important to me and being able to sing my own songs is one of the most incredible things. And now getting to the point where like people are singing the lyrics back. Like, I can't believe that like songs I wrote myself, they're singing the lyrics back is, is that's a wild feeling.
0: I love that. And I think that's tremendous. And I've seen some, some video of you performing and I you have a real unique, as a front man, you could tell that you have come, I mean, that you are absolutely in it and you're commanding and I love the voice. I love the look. I mean, I think that, you know, what you have going on is something that's, that's, that's really special. You talked about covers. What, what were some, like some songs that you some of your favorite songs to cover even to this day that you'll bust out that you do most nights when you, when you play a show.
1: Oh, Oh, 100%. Well, the, the go-tos, I'm a huge sublime fan. I'm a massive sublime fan and uh anything with Bradley's voice. I mean, I was such a massive fan growing up and actually had the pleasure of um working with sublime and Rome kind of like an internship thing, cool. uh out in Orange County, uh California. So they've always had a massive influence on my sound. Just the, the, way Bradley sang for a punk band was such a different style. He was very melodic. And and I've always kind of, especially in the beginning, I always tried to replicate that, just that he wasn't a, a much of a screamer, but way more of just sure. this beautiful tone voice. So anything sublime is pretty much my go-to. And then also being, you know, a Georgia boy, the Black Crows, you can't go wrong with it.
0: Oh, the Black Crows, man, opening up for Aerosmith on their Peace Out tour coming up. That's going to be... That's going to be a must for me. Yeah, there you go. Um, there,
1: the Robinson brothers are probably some of the greatest performers I've ever seen.
0: I think that Georgia for music is 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 it's because a lot of people don't realize like what a haven um, for like all types of music that like are, the Athens and Atlanta area are. I mean, yeah. bands like Collective Soul. Collective Soul, I'm, yeah
1: views. I mean it's so vast everyone especially nowadays Atlanta has really become the hip-hop capital of the world fantastic but yeah just I mean from everything from Ray Charles to REM to you know the list goes on it's just it's a it's a great place for different types of music just because like Georgia's a lot like Florida where based off of where you're at the entire scene and the culture changes you know Atlanta's very different from Cobb County. Cobb County is very different from Canton. It's you know Savannah, Georgia's its own world. Like it's all, it's all got its own kind of you know vibe to it.
0: What was it like for you on the West Coast when you were out there? As you said, you as a self-described country boy, what was yeah. that experience like?
1: It was it was very much a a, a culture shock. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of used to that Southern hospitality, but it was one of the best years of my life just being out there i was originally in arizona for about nine months doing like a a trade school engineering like like sound engineering just so i could understand how bad i was at it um (laughs) but afterwards going to california and working there for about four months it really was like you get the whole vibe like i always thought that that was kind of a front of like the laid back like and, and in certain parts like long long beach and uh newport beach it's some of the coolest people i've ever met in my entire life and i really had a, a blessed opportunity of meeting some very influential people who i would listened to for years and were able to call them friends by the end of it and it was like i i, I was so blessed to talk to people from avenge sevenfold the dirty head sublime like all these great bands and you're just like how the hell did i end up you know actually being able to be in this position to talk and hang out and have a conversation it's so cool, and it was so unique.
0: Well, that is unique, and your story is unique, and I think that that's going to serve you well. The fact that you've had these experiences and you've you've learned, and I think you've said in a previous interview, the one of the biggest parts for you was just learning what you didn't want to do,
1: which Absolutely. was more
0: the studio engineering stuff, uh, mm-hmm. kind of the behind the scenes. So that obviously was not was not you, so to speak, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And it was it was one of those things where straight out of high school. Um, I was offered an opportunity to be a production assistant and I was like, you know, of course I'm going to say yes, just because the experience alone, like that's something that not a lot of people get to do, especially at so young. So being able to really kind of test the waters and find out what worked and what didn't for me, what really made me excited and and other things, either way, whether I ended up going more into it and, and trying to understand whatever it was I was doing at the time, like tour managing or anything like that, Every single odd job that they put me in or I put myself in has in one way or another um, come back up and has been useful to me, especially getting started, selling my own merch. Like I said, booking my own mm. shows for a long time, um, being responsible for all my all my gear, making sure I had a good rapport with uh, promoters, all those little things were all present when I really didn't know what to do, and and just like you know, like serendipity, it just kind of reappeared, and I was prepared, and that was so so. It put it put such a massive advantage for me because I was able to communicate and already kind of knew the professional side well enough, where I wasn't just like a lot of people where they they know what they want to do, but they don't know where to start. If that makes any sense,
0: it does. Uh, I, and that's again just adds to the uniqueness of of what you have going on, and I think that there's going to be uh, just the sky's the limit for you, Tristan. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, so the rest of the summer you talked about going and, and recording, mm-hmm. do you have plans for more shows? Like what's, uh, Absolutely. what's going on there?
1: We're still, we're still just fixing up, um, getting everything laid out. Cause I, I try not to do one-offs anymore. Like I used to do just like, you know, you get, get wherever you can play it. And I'm still kind of in that, in that position right now, but just having anything where it's like cohesive. And there's whether it's I'm touring with a band or I'm headlining whichever ones, if it's small clubs or uh college bars or wherever you can play at right now. Um, just trying to get something together that's more in line so I can hit a lot of the uh the regions that I haven't yet. I would love to get more up towards like the Midwest and hit um some of the markets in the Northeast as well. Cause we've we've mainly done the south, the southeast regions. Um, but yeah, just just setting up something that hopefully by you know, July or August, I can I can hit like 14, 15 different places within, you know, a month and a half.
0: Well, that that's perfect. We got to get you to Kansas City. I've got just the venue. There's a place here called Knuckleheads where uh, Billy I just saw Billy Bob Thornton and his band, the box masters, play out here. It's picture perfect for you. I can't imagine it better. And you all you also got to get here because you're talking about of course the home of the defending Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. You got to get some of that magic on you. Exactly. Right. And Mizzou plays Florida at, at Mizzou this year. Great college town of Columbia, Missouri. I mean, there's all sorts of, I'm just a thanker. I'm outside the box, Tristan. We got to make this work.
1: 100%. And based <laughs> on how that game goes, call me or not. That's <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> that, uh, yes, I can, uh, I've been there. Trust me. Um, well, I'm I'm so excited for for what's to come. Tristan, this has just been really exciting. and, I, and An artist like you, it always gives me such gratification to see, what's next and where you go from here. And I'm able to look back, you know, a year down the line, two years. I'm like, man, like I had him on back then, right right when he just released, uh, you know, this tremendous uh, single called Nervous System Overload. And then now, you know, to see, a, you know, an album come out and more tours and more things, like, it's just going to be tremendous. So I just wish you continued success. You're a bright nice guy. Thing. You've got it all. You've got a lot going for you. And I think that there's um, a really bright future. How difficult was it for you? to find light-minded musicians to do this with. Was that the hardest part of this journey?
1: To be honest with you, that might've been the hardest part just because you kind of have to go through a trial and error and just kind of find out who works. And it's not so much of like, I I like to be a pretty easy guy to get along with. You know, I can find the, the smallest thing and, and and roll with it. But when it comes to a collaborative effort and and especially when creativity is involved, because if you know any artists, they're just, they're, they're as crazy as it comes. Um, for right reasons, people can get protective of, of what they're creating because it's, it, they always call it or refer it to as their baby, you know, yeah. and I understand that to to a, to a massive degree, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's mainly just been like creative differences and understanding, like, I'm trying to go in this direction and someone else is going in a different um direction. But if you can find that person kind of meet you halfway, like I'm all for compromise. Uh, in in most cases, if someone has a better idea I'm, I'm more willing to let that work for the, for the betterment of the song. I'm not so much of like, well, it's my line, so we got to keep it in there. If the song's better because you're bringing something to the table, that's a completely different story. But I think a lot of the issues I had, especially in the beginning of just trying to write songs with people in the basement and stuff, um, just not having a, a clear vision in sight of what we wanted. Sure. But it was very clear what wasn't working and what I didn't want. So it was just, you know, trial and error
0: yeah and that's how bands and musicians evolve and that's something you're learning at a young age so that's tremendous awesome. um, Tristan I can't thank you enough for your time here for being on the road to rock it's going to be a tremendous summer look forward to more great things from you and I guess I'll check in from my first show of the show, of the summer I got one country show on the docket all year and it's Travis well, Tripp.
1: I, I know you're going to enjoy it so have a great time of that show
0: cannot wait thank you and uh, again continued success we'll catch up soon my friend
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks a lot.